Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Keep on keeping on. My mom always used to sing that when I was a kid, and I know Mary and them used to sing that as well. And uh, I'll tell you, God just knows what's going on, doesn't He? Uh, Sometimes things are difficult. He never promised us that life would not have difficulty. Uh, And you know what? It's easy to say that, too. Amen? When you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to look down at those valleys and go, yeah, I know there's probably a day coming where I'll have to be in one of those, but it'll all be fine because God's good all the time. It's a lot easier to say God's good all the time when God's being extra good. When things get difficult, sometimes it's harder. Amen? It's harder to just have faith and to pray hard and just keep keep pressing on. Amen? But uh, it can be done. We can do it because we've got the Holy Spirit. He is a strength in us that we don't have. That's what differentiates the Christian from the lost person. What differentiates the saved individual from the one who does not know the Lord is that we have a resource that they have no idea about. It is a strength from heaven. It is a spiritual strength that is beyond us. Amen? I mean, to see people... um, I I won't go into any sort of detail. Obviously, many of y'all know some difficult things we've had to deal with this week in the trial and all those things with my buddy John. But his dad had an opportunity to speak, and I'll just say this. When he was speaking, it was about how good God has been to them and how God has helped them and how that he didn't know how he could make it without a Savior. That's real. Can I tell you that's real? When you've lost a child, if you'll stand and say, in the the pain that we're suffering, we have got goodness and peace in God, that takes a supernatural strength. Amen. It takes a touch of God that is beyond anything that, that, that a lost person can understand. That someone who does not know the Lord can go, how in the world could they have joy right now? Well, it's because this is not the end-all, be-all of life. This right here is just one step to eternity. And one day, like we talked about just the other day, one day we'll see that redemption of our body, the fulfillment of our adoption. When we get that glorified, and the Bible says we will be like Him. Amen? And then the suffering that we've endured down here, it'll be like a distant memory. It'll pale in comparison for what God's got for us on the other side. Amen. I don't know where you are this morning, but it does seem that you need to hear that. God is good all the time. Even when we look at a situation and don't know, God, I'll be honest, there's been times, Brother Tim, where I've looked around and said, God, I don't get any of this, but I'm not God. And he sees the end from the beginning, and he is the great judge, he is the great God, and if I can just trust in him, I know that he'll bring me through the other side. And can I tell you this morning, that song they sang, God's been good, that my favorite part of that song is I've, I've known more joy than hurt. I've had more good times than bad times. Amen. That is an absolute truth in my life that God 
has been way more good to me than I ever deserved. I've known way more joy in my life than I have known pain and hurt. Amen. Sometimes when we're in the middle of suffering, it seems like darkness and clouds is all there is. But that's not true. That's, that is not true. There is joy just ahead if we'll just keep on. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible to the book of Psalms this morning, chapter number 127. Psalms 127. This morning, we are going to take a few minutes and observe the incredible importance of parenthood. Can I tell you this morning that uh, if you have been blessed with children, there is no greater responsibility and no greater honor in your life than for God to bless you with children. Amen. Uh, there is something supernatural about it. There's something outside of, uh, uh, of just the normal physical that happens when a child is born, and a, especially in the heart of a Christian, when we've got the Holy Spirit, and the Lord does something in our hearts the moment that our eyes fall on that, that daughter or that son. And there's just something supernatural, isn't there? Uh, some sort of a, like a moment, like a light bulb that comes on. Something changes inside of you. Uh, and, and now I realize the moment I first laid eyes on my daughter Peyton as our first child when she was born, uh, I realized this, this right here is, is it now. This is the rest of my life here. The, the rest of, the, the, of all the time God gives me on this earth with this child, that this is, this is now my responsibility. Amen? Now when I got married... God put my wife into my care, and she, He brought us together. And that was a, that was a, a moment of all itself. Amen. Uh, but there's no greater responsibility, that I believe, that is, that is given to a human being than to be given the care of a life. A brand new life. You're going to have to bring that child up, and you're going to have to raise that child up. And by the way, there's also nothing more difficult. Amen. Amen. There is nothing more difficult... Uh, than raising a child. There is nothing more uh, wonderful and rewarding and honorable, but man, is it trying sometimes. Amen? And this morning we are, of course, taking some time. Uh, Brother Scott and Miss Kirsten have come to me about wanting to have a, a dedication for their children, for Dawson and for little Ruthie. Amen? And uh, can I say this morning, I think it is very honorable to want to make a public declaration of their intent to raise these children for the Lord. There's no command in the Bible that we have to have some kind of a dedication ceremony. It's not like, well, you're not a, you're not a real parent. If it, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's something they wanted to do that the Lord led them to do, and we're going to do that this morning. Uh, but I, I do want to say that even though we're going to have a dedication service for these two children whom we love, and we're very thankful that God has blessed them with these children, and that He's blessed us with the ability to know them, and their children, their family, their extended family. It's good to have Scott's parents with us this morning, and, and his brother, and all of y'all. Good to have everybody that's here. Um, but this, what we're going to look at this morning is Scripture. And the Bible this morning is not just for Scott and Kirsten. It's for all of us. Uh, specifically, if you have children or any intention of having children, the Bible gives some very clear recommendations. We'll call them recommendations, but really, they're commands, if you will. Uh, of, of what it means to raise a child for the Lord. Amen? And, and I want to look in Psalm 127 because this is such an important 
passage when it comes to not just parenthood, but a home. And can I tell you this morning, nothing is more under attack in the world we're living in today right now than the home. Nothing. Nothing has been attacked or hurt more in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years in our world than the home. If the devil can tear down the basic, most simple structures of the home, then he can get us. Amen? And it is a battle that's being waged right now. It has been waged from the beginning. It is just the devil hates the home, and God loves the home. Psalm 127 says this, uh, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. The Lord keep the ci- except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so is, or for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us in this time. Our Father, Lord, we thank You, God, for this day You've given us. We thank You, God, that You've given us such an encouragement in the song portion of the service this morning. God, that You're good all the time, Lord, that even when things are hard, that we can trust You. God, that if we'll just hold on and be not weary in well-doing, as the Bible says, that God, we will persevere and we will reap in due season if we faint not. God, I pray this morning, help us to be encouraged in our hearts. God, I pray today, God, that there is one today, Lord, in this place who does not know you. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would be saved. God, that they would come and bow their knee and ask you to save them. God, I pray this morning for everyone that's here under the sound of my voice, God, as we look to your word, as we observe what the Bible teaches, God, about what it means to be a godly parent. Lord, that you would invigorate our hearts this morning. God, encourage us to to be the men, the women, the mothers, and the fathers that you need us to be. God, help us to be those those ones who who will not bow down, Lord, to the wisdom of this world. But God, we will follow the instruction of the word of God and be faithful to your word. God, we need you in this hour. We ask that you'd meet with us. Help me to preach, God. Fill me with your spirit. I love you and I ask you and I praise you for these things. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Some years back, a couple whom I know pretty well, uh, I found out and they, we were talking and they told us that they were planning to have more children. They had had three children already. I couldn't tell you exactly what age they were, but I think it was maybe somewhere around seven, eight years ago now. Uh, they, they told us they were going to have more children, so their youngest at that time might have been around that age, seven or eight. And uh, what's notable about that is that one of the parents had already had surgery to keep them from having more children. And they had decided to go and have that undone for the sake of having more kids. And, and the mother, she was in her late 30s at least, uh, Brooke, I couldn't tell you exactly how old she was. She was already in that age where things start to get complicated. Amen? And when I found out they were doing that, I'll be honest, my first thought was, are they crazy? <laughs> you know, they've kind of already come through a lot of that, and now's the time they're going to go back in head first. Like, what are they thinking? And when we asked them about it, uh, the mother, I was talking to her, she, she said that they got to talking about it, and, and the way things are today, they just felt like the Lord was leading them that they should raise more children for God that there are enough children now being raised in ungodly homes and that it seems like there's just not enough good Christian people and that if they were healthy and able to raise up more kids for the Lord, that it was their responsibility to do so. Amen. 
Some of y'all thinking, oh no, what's he about to say? Uh, that's between you and God. Amen. That full quiver, as the Bible calls it, everybody's got their own idea about how full a quiver is. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, because I'll be honest, I believe it is between you and God. It is something you should pray about. Amen. Something you should ask the Lord about. But for them, I guess five, is that right? They ended up with five. They had two more. Two more children because of that. And then, of course, they did get so old that it was getting difficult, and they just had to, they felt like the Lord would let them stop. But they almost doubled their children in terms of numbers uh, because after already saying no and closing the door, the Lord instructed them they needed to reopen that door. And I got to tell you, when I heard that, I thought, man, I'm not that spiritual. <laughs> you know, I thought that is some, that is, that's, that's putting your money where your mouth is. But they had an intense leadership from God saying, God has blessed us and we have a, a good home and, and we, are, we, we know the truth of the Word of God. God's blessed us. We need to raise more children for God's glory. Amen. And that was what God led them to do. I'm not telling you this morning that you need to have five kids or however many kids. Or if, you, if you're done, you need to think about it and get started over. I'm not telling you that. What I am telling you is this. They had a pretty clear understanding of the purpose of children. The purpose of children is the same purpose for all of creation. And we're told what that is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Revelation 4, 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. You know what that tells us? Every child that is given life is done so by the creation of God in heaven. God creates all things. Thou hast created all things. And for Thy pleasure, look at this, they are and were created. That means everything that's ever been created was created for God's pleasure. But it says they are and were created. You know what that means? Every new life that is born, that is created by God, is created for His pleasure. God gives us children so that we might raise them for His pleasure. Amen? God did not give me children to make them Indianapolis Colts fans. Amen? He did not give you children to make them Wildcat fans or Louisville fans. He did not give us children to make them hunters or fishers or to like this or to like that, even though there's nothing wrong with those things. Everything is perfectly fine to have those fun things. And God did not give us children so we could... Get them in college and get them a good higher education. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I'd say it's good. But that's not why He gave us children. He didn't give us children so they could take care of us when we get real good and old. That's a good thing to do. Amen. And we're all going to eventually need that if it, the day comes. But that's not why He gave us children. He gave us children so that we might raise them for His glory and so that He might receive glory and honor and power from and through those children. That's why He gave us children. Now this morning we've got people here who've got young children. We've got some who their children are grown and, and, and out of the home and all those things. Regardless, the fact stands this morning that as long as we draw breath and we are parents, amen, it is our job to direct our children towards the Lord. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Now, my responsibilities to my wife, they are clear in the Bible. Her responsibilities to me, those are clear in the Bible. But there's one responsibility that we share. It is not mama's job. It's not daddy's job. If a home is the way the Lord wants it to be, the mother and the father must work together 
to raise the children for the honor of the Lord. Now, sometimes, that, sometimes that's not the way things go, but that's the way things are supposed to go. And if you're here this morning and God has, has blessed you and you have children and they're given into your care, it is your job to raise them for the Lord. We can all agree on that, can't we? Let's look at what the Bible says here about it. First, I want you to see the perspective of godly parenthood. The perspective of godly parenthood, as I've just told you, is if we want to be good and godly parents, we've got to make sure we've got the right perspective about what it means to be a godly parent. We look at these first three verses. We see it says very plainly, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Amen. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? That God has got to be the one who is building our house. That means our house must be built on God. Amen. It must be built by God. It must be built through God. That God must be the number one thing in our home. That's the perspective of a godly parent. The perspective of a godly parent is that nothing in life must take precedence over God in the life of my children. Amen. Sports shouldn't take precedence over the life of God and my children. Amen. Uh, uh, nothing. There are, uh, family uh, gatherings or, or whatever it may be. That, you know, whatever uh, success, education, uh, whatever that dream they might have or you might have for them. None of those things are even close to as important as the fact that they know God and that they serve God. Amen. Amen. We like to sing those songs and, and shout hallelujah. Y'all know that old song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. But sometimes I don't think that's true for our children. We'd rather they have silver and gold than Jesus. Well, they're saved, so now they're good. Well, here's the thing. A godly parent has this perspective. The number one most important thing in my child's life must be this, that God is pleased with my children. Amen. We see that we must view the head properly, the head of the home. Who is the head of the home? Now, some of you are thinking the, the father. He's going to say the husband's the head of the home, but that's not actually true. The head of the home is the Lord. The Lord is the head of the home. He created the home, and if he's not the one building it, nothing that is being done for that home is going to do any good. It's all in vain. Unless God is first, everything that else is, that's done is going to be built as the Bible talks about that parable, the one who built his house on sand. That is one who does not build his house on the Lord. We must view the head properly. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says this, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, a lot of times we want to really zone in on the middle part of that verse where it says the head of the woman is man, but you'll notice that the primary thing going on in that verse is teaching us that Christ is the head of every man. Y'all see that? Amen. When it says that the head of Christ is God, that's just telling us the same thing we've always known about the Lord. He said, I have come to do the will of my Father. Amen. Ain't that what he said? That Christ and God, they are on the same page, going in the same direction, and have the same goal at all times. And if a man is subject unto God, then his goal will be the goal of God. So a, a father... Okay? A father, a husband, and a home. Our goal must be, if we're going to be right, and if we're going to build our house on the Lord, our goal must be the goals of Christ. Amen. He is the head. And whenever our ideas and our direction takes us away from Christ, we are damaging our home. 
Whenever our ideas and our direction take us away from Christ, who is our head, we go away from God, we damage the home. Amen. We're viewing the head. We must have the, the perspective of godly parenthood as we must view the head properly. Christ is the head. He is the, the top. He is the first. It's vain, it said, to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so He giveth His beloved seed. There is nothing you can do. It's all pointless and, and, and worthless, and you're working against yourself if you are not building your home on God first. Amen. That goes for me and every man in here who God has blessed with a home. If God is not first in your home, you're headed for trouble. Amen. Not only should we view the head properly, and that's Christ, we have to view the home properly. And we understand that there is an established order of the home. Now, some would say, well, I don't really like this part. Well, here's the thing. If we're viewing the head properly, who is the head of the home? Who's the head of the home? Christ. Christ being God, God being Christ, they have the same direction. They are the head of the home, and we, we build our home on this foundation. That foundation is God. And where do we get the instructions for such a foundation? We get it from God's Word. A house that is not built on the Word of God is a house that is not built on the will of God. Amen? A house that is not built on the Word of God is a house that is not built on the will of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Wives, submit, unto your own, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Listen to this. For we are members of His body, His flesh, and of His bones. Now why did it want to say that there at the end in verse number 30? Because He is the head. We're just a part of His body. And it is the head who establishes the order of the body. It's the head that gives the instructions of the body. So the instructions of the home come from the head. And the head is Christ. And Christ, had, the Bible tells us, that, God, that He hath set the members as it hath pleased Him. That's what it says. What's the purpose of every life? To please God. Who has set the, the pieces in place as it hath pleased Him? God has. And the order He has established, as we just read, is that the wives submit themselves to their husbands, the husbands submit themselves unto God, and in Ephesians 6, verse 1, the next chapter says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is the children beneath both the father and the mother but it is everyone under God. And that is the most important part. You know what word in Ephesians chapter 5 nobody likes? Submit. But you know what's funny about that? The reason people don't like it is they get this idea that this whole passage is all just about, God, all about men trying to control women. But it's not. This whole passage is about submission. A godly home is a submitted home. It's full of submission. The children are submitted to their parents. Now we all know it don't always go that way. And that's when discipline becomes a part. 
Because the model being given to us for our relationship with, between husband and wife and children should mirror the relationship between us and God. Christ being our bridegroom, us being the bride, and God being the Father. And here is the example. Are you ready? Christ being our head is showing us how to submit by submitting His whole self to the Father. You know what that example is supposed to do? Show me as the, as the, as the, the familial leader, the spiritual leader in my home, as the husband who, whom God has told my wife that she is to be submitted unto me as, as my wife. Can I tell you what that means? I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. Because my job is to be submitted to who? Is that easy? God ever told you to do something you didn't want to do? Amen. Your parents ever tell you to do something you didn't want to do? Didn't always do it, did you? Can I be the first one to say I didn't always do what my parents told me to do? At the very least, not the first time, right? Just a second. Give me just a minute. You know, just put it off, just delay. I'm just not very good at submission. Are you? You know who's real good at submission? The Lord Jesus who went to the Garden of Gethsemane and wept and prayed all night till he sweat great drops of blood that God, his Father, would give him any other option but to go to the cross and die. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Right? He submitted all the way to the cross so that we would understand how important it is that every man, woman, and child understand that we must submit to God. Amen? We must submit to God. Let me give you an idea of the ideal home, because we're looking with the proper perspective this morning of a godly home. Let me give you the picture of an ideal home. And by the way, none of us are perfect. Every home needs to get better and better. And be Amen? Hey, I don't know if y'all know this, but y'all's kids, they ain't perfect. You know how I know? Because my kids ain't perfect. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, my children are gifts from God. They are. But you know what they're not? Uh, perfect. They ain't even good sometimes. Sometimes they're straight up bad. And I'm like, God, why, why, what's wrong with these kids? You ever felt that way? Lord, what is wrong? What am I doing wrong? But I'll tell you this right now. The ideal picture of a home, even though we don't have it, is something we should all work toward. And that picture is a picture of submission to the head. God has placed the body with Christ at the top, leading the body of the home. And the home goes from Christ to the Father, that God puts the father, the husband there, to lead his home, to be that spiritual leader, to be that strong, spiritual, submitted to God leader. And then his wife, whom the Bible says that God gave us wives as a help meet, that, that right there they form the coalition of leadership in their home, that she follows the spiritual leadership of her husband, and that both are submitted to God. Amen? And then the children submitted to the parents. But we all know that no one has a perfect home. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm not always a good spiritual leader. She's not always submissive. And my children certainly are not always obedient to their parents. But that is 
That is the picture of the home that God created. Not me. In fact, could I just tell you, being the one where they say the buck stops here, that's not fun. It's not fun when my wife looks at me and says, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm thinking, I don't have a clue what to do. She's like, well, it's time to be the, the man, amen? Well, that's, thank you. Pray for me. Sometimes, I don't know what I'm doing. Can I just be honest? Most of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. But I know God. And I know that God has established things the way He established them because that's the way He wanted to do it. And that is all the reason we need because we were created for His pleasure. So the home, the proper perspective of a home is that we see that Christ is the head and that, that God has established the home properly. And then we see we must view our heritage properly. Verse 3 said this, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. When God blesses a marriage with children, He's granting them a great reward. Not only is that a reward, which is a blessing, but it's also a heritage. And that word heritage, it refers to like an inheritance. It is something that is inherited, like an heirloom that's passed on to us by our Father to be passed down from us for future generations. That's what a, a heritage is, right? It is passed down through generations. And children are in heritage of who? The Lord, which means that they are coming down to us from God. Like James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That children are a gift from God. Can you say amen? And they are coming to us down from God, but they're not just a gift, they're also a heritage. That when God gives them to us, He expects us uh, to, to, to take care of them so that they can continue on beyond us. Right? God's plan is that we invest in His investment. Y'all know the parable of the talents, how that the master left those servants with several different talents, some ten, one five, one one. And what the master expected is that when he came back that they would have done something with those talents. Now I know that's a kingdom passage, but the principle still stands that when God gives us something, He wants us to do something with it so that He can receive glory, honor, power. Isn't that right? God wants the glory for our children. So when God gives us children, it's not just have fun, go to Disney World, and, and you know, just one day they'll get out of here and you can go on. And all that stuff is great. But what it is is that it's a responsibility. Well, I've given you something, and it is a reward. There's nothing more rewarding. But it's also an inheritance. It's a heritage. And these children, God has given them to you for a reason. And if we have a proper perspective of parenthood, we understand that it is our great reward, but also our great responsibility to take care of that inheritance and, can, and ensure, listen, as much as was within our power to ensure their continuance for the glory and honor of God. We all on the same page. Let's look at the preparation of godly parenthood. Verse 4 says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. God has given us children. They're now in our care. And we understand our responsibility to lead them correctly and raise them for the Lord, but how exactly is it that we're supposed to do that? Well, let me just tell you first, we're to prepare them directly. From us to them. You ever notice that kids a lot of times are like their parents in certain ways? Amen? 
Good ways? Not so good ways? There's a lot of times my children will exhibit a certain uh, characteristic, and they'll say, just like her mama, just like her daddy, right? There are certain things we can't help but pass on to our kids. They have our gene pool, you know, if they're biological children. Even if they're not biological children, they spend enough time around us, and they're ours, and we raise them up, they'll be like us. They'll take on some things from us. But we have, we have an indirect influence on our kids whether we want to or not. But if we're going to raise them up for the Lord, that is going to take a direct influence. We're going to have to intentionally and directly put our hands down in their life and affect them with a direct influence from us to them. If we want to raise them for God, it's not going to happen by accident. Can I tell you, it's not going to happen by accident. We have to prepare them directly. We have to specifically with our own words, with our own actions, point them toward God. The Bible says in Psalm 78, 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, verse 3, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. You see that? Where is it that they learned about the law and about the Lord? From their fathers, their mothers, their parents told them about the Lord. Verse 4, we will not hide them from, our, from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He had done. After the generation of Joshua, there rose up a generation who knew not the Lord nor His great works that He had done. That means that those parents failed to directly influence their children for God's glory. It is our job to teach our kids about the Lord, to teach them about being faithful to church, to teach them about what not to do and what to do and, and what it means to please God. Can I tell you something this morning? Them being in church three times a week isn't enough. You've got to take God home with you. You've got to, you from your lips and your mouth have got to give them the words of God. Sometimes I think a lot of parents, especially when they become teenagers, they think, well, my kids, I'll, I'll stick them in the youth group and they'll be in there with Brother Dennis on Wednesday nights and they'll be in there for Sunday school and they'll give them everything they need to know and hopefully it'll all work out. That's not enough. You know how much time of the week you have your children in church? On a regular service week, if you're at all three services, let's say you get three hours per service. Man, that is way over what you're getting. You're getting six hours on Sunday and three hours on Wednesday. So nine hours out of the week. Out of a week. Now, I haven't done the math, but let's figure up how many hours there are in a week. We'll take out what's, you know, sleeping. And let's figure up how much time that is in a year. Then let's figure up how much time that is over the span of, you know, 18 years. It's not much time. Nine hours a week, which by the way is way over what we're doing if they're here for everything. And let's be honest, they're not even here for everything. Not always. You expect that little of time that they're getting there to affect them more than all the many hours they spend at home with you? Than all the many hours they spend in, in school, right? Or, and, and all the, amen, all those things, all those places they're going, and all those influences they're getting, sitting in here this morning or, or in the nursery or in the teen class or in Sunday school is not enough to directly influence them for God. My job as, your, as the pastor of this church 
Brother Dennis's job, as he is teaching the, the teen class, and, and all you others who teach your Sunday school classes, and when you bring those kids into your uh, classes and you have them there, your job is to give them the Word of God, but you're dealing with multiple kids. It is my responsibility to give you and your children the Word of God when I preach. Amen. But it is your job to raise them for God. It's not my job. It does not take a village to raise a child. It takes a mother and a father. Sometimes we don't even have that. But it is the job of the parent whom God has given that child to to raise for His glory. I don't read anything about a village in Ephesians chapter 5. Do you? It's not this church's job to raise your children for the Lord. It's your job. Now, we want to influence them for God when they're here, but we just don't have enough time. We just, I just don't have enough time with your kids to raise them for God. You've got to directly influence them. It's not enough to say, well, we'll get them in church and hopefully it'll all work out in the wash. That's not enough. If you want to be a godly parent, you're going to have to determine that in your home, you're going to teach your children what's right. You're going to teach them what the Bible says to do. You're going to teach them what the Bible says not to do. When our kids come out of Sunday school, and I mean Link is too, he can talk a little bit. I mean, he's still, he's still digging in his diaper. He's not really there yet. You know what I'm saying? But Peyton, she's five years old now, and she goes to Sunday school, and she comes out and we'll say, what'd you learn in Sunday school? We'll talk about it. And we try to, try to take what God is giving us and build on that because it's our job to do it. And if God will help me, we, we both made a dedication to God to raise our children for the Lord. If God will help me, that's what I plan to do. I want God to be such an integral part of their life that it is everything in their life. I want church to be the, the most important thing in their life because I want God to be the most important thing in their life. Let me hurry through these. We'll be here all day. We need to prepare them directly. We need to prepare them directionally. You look in the verse we're given in Psalms 127, we're given an example, a metaphor, if you will, of an arrow, right? Children are, and here's the Lord, so as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And we all know what an arrow is, a bow and an arrow. When it comes to an arrow, there's three things that you do with it. You draw it, you aim it, and you release it. Okay? If you're going to use that arrow, that's what you're going to have to do. Draw it, Aim it and release it. Can you all see that? That's the metaphor of the arrow that we're given. When we draw that arrow back, the arrow of our children, that is us taking the responsibility of raising them into our own hands. We could just leave them in the quiver. They're here. They're ours. We're just not doing anything with them. And can I tell you, there's a whole lot of parents in our country and our world who are doing just that. They're just leaving them in the quiver. They don't care about them. Some of, them, some of them don't even feed them and take care of them. But some of the ones who do all that, they'll shove money at them, the ones who've got money, but they never draw them out. They never consider them. They never put them to use. Amen? When God has blessed us with children, it is our job. If we're going to prepare them directionally in their life, we must first draw them. We must be a part of their lives. God did not, let me say this, God did not give us children so that we could be their best friends. He gave us children so that we could point them in the direction they need to go. And I'm going to just tell you right now, there's times in my life where I thought me and dad are not friends. My, my friends don't talk to me like that. <laughs> Amen. My friends, my friends would never, would never treat me this way. Well, he wasn't my friend. He was my dad. Now we're good friends. Or he's also still my dad. Yeah. 
And he still talks to me the way someone like, I don't, I don't understand. People, you shouldn't talk to someone. You, know, you shouldn't do that. That's not what they're for. They're not here to make us feel fuzzy inside. They do, but that's not what they're for. They're for us to take in our hands and to draw them out and to start actually working with our children. And the older they get, the more they need it. And the older they get, the more work it's going to take. And the older they get, the harder it's going to get. But we have to draw them. Then we have to aim them. When we aim the arrow of our children, we point them towards something. Amen? This aiming plays such a big part in the direction that our children will go. The nurture of the Lord, as we read about in Ephesians 6.4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That nurture... It's referring to how we love them and care for them. We provide for them just as the Lord does us. We nurture them. Nurture is a kindness, right? It's, it's taking care of them and nurturing them and loving them. Amen. You can't have admonition without nurture. You're going to have a messed up situation. You can't have nurture without admonition. You say, what's admonition? Oh, that's that hard stuff. That nurture stuff's that fun stuff. Link comes up the stairs this morning, and I'm, I'm in there, and I've got my computer out, my Bible out, and I'm studying, I'm typing away, and, and I'm, my brain's going a million miles away, and he comes up there, and he just, he don't ask, he just starts crawling up in my lap, he gets up in my lap, he just lays over on me, and he just says, I love you, Daddy. That's nurture. I'm, gonna take, I'm just going to take a break, and we're going to hug, and we're going to kiss, and I'm just going to tell you I love him, and, and we're going to have that, and it's wonderful, amen? That's, that's fun, and that's easy. What's not easy is, 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 is when it becomes the admonition part. The admonition part is the more difficult part, but that's the part the Lord does for us. It's us teaching them what's right and what's wrong. Us disciplining them when they do what's wrong, right? The Bible teaches that if we do not discipline our children, we do not love them. That's what the Bible teaches. And, and, and to the world, that sounds backwards, but can I tell you why someone doesn't discipline their children? Because it's hard. And not doing something that will benefit your children because it's too hard for you means that you love yourself more than you love your children. I know that, it, that they need to learn and they're not learning, but I don't want to do that. It's really hard and it hurts me and it, I don't want to do it. Yeah, welcome to being a parent. Doing a lot of stuff you don't want to do. We went to Cracker Barrel last night. My parents had got off the airplane, hadn't eaten so many hours. They said, take us to Cracker Barrel. I said, okay. We went in there and we sat down and we got some of them biscuit beignets. Have y'all had those things? Hallelujah. Cinnamon sugar covered biscuit donut things. I mean, kill you dead where you stand. They're little, you know. And there was a certain number of them and I grabbed one and I ate it and I was like, man, that was good. Well, everybody got one. There's one left. And I was looking over at it and I'm like, well, I know dad's not going to eat it. I don't think Brooke's going to eat it either. Suddenly Peyton, can I have that? Yeah, yeah, honey, you can have it. You can have it. And she ate that biscuit beignet, and I thought, I wanted that biscuit beignet. <laughs> Being a parent, though, sometimes, let's be honest, most of the time, it means you go without or you suffer for the good of your children. It means that you're willing to sacrifice what you want or what you think is good for you or what is pleasing to you for what is better for them. Amen. Discipline is hard for us. It's hard on them, but you know they always say it hurts me more than it hurts you, and I always thought, that's bogus. No, it's real. That's real. When, when, when mama and daddy go out of the room after discipline a child and they're crying because it's hard, 
that's something you never see as a kid. You don't understand how difficult it must be for God to discipline us when He does. And to see us suffer, but knowing that it's for our good. Because that is what it means when He puts them into our care. We have to draw them and we have to aim. And sometimes that aim, it takes that nurture that we're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that we're, we're pointing them in the right direction. And when we see them going in this direction, we got to pull back. And it's hard. It hurts. It's work. But that's what it means to be a godly parent. We draw, we aim, and then we release. Let me say this quickly. I know I've already been a little long this morning, but Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's talking about when they've gone out. Because if you're going to draw an arrow and you're going you're to aim it, the intention is to let go. The problem with some parents is they don't ever want to let go. But if you go into the Bible, and sometimes we use something called the law of first mention. Y'all know what that is? Go and find the first time something's mentioned in the Bible. You find the first mention of a parent in the Bible. It's Genesis. Genesis chapter number 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. First time a parent is ever mentioned in the Bible, their children are leaving them. That tells us that as a parent, when it comes right down, to, you want to get right down to the nitty gritty, everything we're doing in drawing them and influencing them in their life and teaching them what's right and holding their hand and saying, no, don't go that way, and yes, do this, and work hard, read your Bible, go to church, pray, get, you know, tell them about the Lord and get them in church and doing all those things. And we've got them there for youth ministry. We've got them there for Sunday school. We've got them there for all the things because we're trying to hedge our bets. Why? So that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Everything we're doing is aiming them, trying to draw their aim back toward God. And when we just let them go, and we just let them go out there, and we let them go where they want to go, say what they want to say, be who around who they want to be around, amen, hang out with whatever they want to hang out with. We have no aiming in their life. We just kind of just look away and let it happen the way it's going to happen. When we let go, you know what's going to happen? There's no telling where they're going to land. We let them dress the way we want to dress, talk the way they want to talk, hear what they want to hear, see what they want to see, and then we wonder why they wound up there. It's because you weren't aiming them towards something good. Now, we may aim with all our might and do everything we can, and before they get to that destination we want them to get to, they may swerve. And we may have to pray and have faith in God that He'll bring them back. But the Bible says when they're old, that means no matter what they do, they'll never get away from the things we taught them. But if we're not even going to aim, don't be surprised when they're off in the bushes said this, the first time a father and a mother's mentioned is letting go. What we're doing is we're preparing them for a time when we won't be there to aim them anymore. For some, that's early on. For some, it's much later in life. Some, they, they're out of the house when they're 18 and going off and, and going to college and getting married or whatever and God's doing it. For others, it's longer, but either way, what it is is it is God's plan, if we will just aim them toward God and pray for them for God and let God... Our, 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 our goal is to one day say, well, they're, they're an adult. Does my dad ever give me his opinion? Lord, yes, he does. But I'll say this, I, I guarantee you, way more often than not, he doesn't. 
because I'm 35 years old, I've got my own children in my own home, and now here I am. My dad don't call me up every time he thinks this or that or this or that because he has released. Right? And let me just tell you, I have swerved a couple times. But I'm trying now, and I think if my, if my dad was here, he'd say at least for, to some extent I've landed where he kind of hoped I would. I'm a mess up, let me tell you. But I can tell you my parents worked hard to aim me in the right direction. And I want to do the same thing for my children so that when I release, whether God could take me home tomorrow, with every moment I have with my children, I want to spend it pointing them toward God for His glory. That's the direction. That's the direction that we're preparing them for. We're preparing them directionally. We're drawing and aiming. We're training them up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. God doesn't give us children so we can keep them to ourselves. He gives us children so we can prepare them and let them go. Let me give you the promise of godly parenthood. We're done here. We're closing. Y'all know the story of 1 Samuel chapter 1. We, it seems like we've been around that a lot in the last year or so. How Hannah came and she prayed and asked for a child and that God, hearing her, her, her fervent prayer, He answered. and He answered and gave her a son, Samuel. Chapter 1 verse 24 said, When she had weaned him, she took him up with her with her three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child, the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped there. Now Hannah, we know that she actually physically took her child, just weaned to Eli at the house of God, and she left him there. Because that was what God wanted her to do. That was the promise she made to the Lord. And God made that boy Samuel into one of the greatest prophets who ever lived in Israel. The man who would anoint David, the greatest king outside of the Lord Jesus who will ever reign over Israel. That God had a, a wonderful big plan, but, but God doesn't have that same sort of plan for most of us. Don't come and, and drop your kids off here at the door and say, hey, Brother Paul, you know, uh, put them to work, I guess, and just leave them here. I don't want that. But that was the plan for Samuel. The kicker is not how it was done. How it was done was all up to the Lord. The kicker is this. She said, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. She was saying this. As long as this boy lives, his life, his purpose, I want it all to be for God. Can I say that is also my desire for my children? Do I want them to be successful? Yes. Do I want them to get older and get married and have kids of their own? If the Lord wills it, that's exactly what I want. I'd love to one day get older and have grandkids and spoil them so that my kids will act like I mistreated them and all those things. I mean, I want to experience all those things, right? I want to see them with good, happy homes, with a husband for, for my daughter and, and a wife for my son and for this next one that's coming along and for them to have children and to have plenty of money. Amen. I'd like them to have a Scrooge McDuck vault full of gold if they could have it. But if they never have those things, so long as their life is lived in the will of God, fulfilling the purpose of God, 
That is what I want more than anything else. Is that God would be pleased with their lives. That is what it means to be a godly parent. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. I told you this morning we're going to observe this dedication for Dawson and Ruthie, and we're going to do that here in just a second, but before we do, I want to speak to all of you. Because in spite of the fact that, that this, this, this next part here in just a minute will, will, will really specifically be for Scott and Kirsten and for their home, there are a lot of parents in here. And the Bible is not exclusive to them this morning. It is for me. It is for you. And the promise of godly parenthood is that I must realize that their lives were created for His glory. God wants them, He wants them to fulfill His purpose in their life. And He wants me to raise my children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to raise them up in the way that they should go, and I, I'm going to pray. If you're here this morning, you're a parent, you say, Brother Paul, I, I, I have that desire. I want you to pray with me. If you, have, if you feel like you've not done a good job of that, you've not done a good enough job of directing your children or, or your grandchildren, or maybe your children are done grown, and, and why don't you pray and ask the Lord to give you the strength and the wisdom to help direct your children in the way they need to go. Why don't you ask the Lord to make you a, a direct influence in their life for good? Why don't you ask the Lord to help you to be the godly parent that He wants you to be? Because at the end of the day, each one of us whom God has entrusted with children, we've been given a great gift, we've been given a great heritage, and we must use it for His glory. Our God in heaven, Lord, we thank You this morning for Your love and Your mercy. Lord, we thank You, God, for Your great goodness. Lord, for Your kindness. Lord, how that You have been so very good to us. God, thank You, Lord, for the children that You have entrusted to our care. God, I pray this morning that every single individual here today, God, who has children, or whether they be in the home and small, or whether they be teenagers, or whether they be grown, God, that we have children, I pray, God, this morning we would recognize the fact that they were given to us by You. God, that it was our great reward, and God, that it is our great responsibility to point them toward You. God, I pray, give us the wisdom, Lord, to be godly in our leadership of our children. Give us the wisdom, God, to have a, a, a scripturally structured home. God, give us the, the, the touch of Your Spirit, Lord, that we need to, to stay clean, to walk right before them, to lead them in the way of righteousness. God, we need You this morning. We need our homes to be stronger. We need parents to be stronger. God, we need Your Word to be prevalent in our lives, in our homes, in our mouths. Make us what You'd have us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Brandy, if you wouldn't mind to come on up to the piano. Today, we have gathered for church to hear the Word of God. Now we're going to take a moment. Scott and Kirsten have come to me, and I, I have made the statement and the offer before. If anyone ever had a desire to do a, a dedication service, we would do that. And uh, we have gathered to observe the dedication of Dawson, and Ruthie. And uh, Scott, you and Kirsten, you've come to me with this purpose in mind, just like Hannah in the Bible had that purpose in mind. And she went to Eli that day and she said, I have come. She came with a bullock 
which was their way of worship. He said, I've come to worship the Lord and to give this child to God. It's the same thing she said, and, you know, not physically, but in a type. Y'all are doing the same thing. You're saying, I want my son, Dawson, I want my daughter, Ruthie, I want their lives to be for God. Amen? This is the promise of godly parenthood as we've talked about today. And, and, and here in a minute, we're going we're to pray over you. But that promise is you promise that you will draw them. Right? You will intentionally, directly raise your children with God's purpose in mind. You will <clears throat> be a godly mother to them. Kirsten, you'll be a, a godly father Scott, that you will lead them in the home. You'll set for them a godly example to the best of your ability with the help of God. That you will love them. You will care for them. You will show them through your own life what it means to be a, a faithful Christian and a servant to God. And then you will aim them towards spiritual things and not toward carnal things. You will bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You will train them up in the way they should go. You will show the generation to come. That's them. The praises of the Lord, His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done, all these things that the Scriptures told us. That you will guard their steps, that you will lead them toward righteousness and point them toward God as the number one priority in their lives. Not that you will never make a mistake, but that you will determine in your hearts that this is what your home is going to do. And you will promise that you will do all you can within your power to release them in the direction that God wants them to go in the time that He chooses You'll prepare for this by keeping them in church, leading them in the Spirit, nurturing them within your home, a love for God and the things of God and the Word of God. This will you, you will do prayerfully, that once they're grown, as the Word says, they will not depart from it. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.